You know, one of the lessons you learn in life is that there's an awful lot of things that you're just not in control of. When I was growing up, I had a lot of very well-meaning teachers. I don't know if you ever heard this from any of your teachers or not in school, but they would say, you can be anything that you want to be. Did you ever hear that, trying to be encouraging? Well, that's a bunch of nonsense. I mean, you, you, could, could you imagine if I tried to be a jockey? I mean, I weigh more than the horse, you know? There's... There's, not everybody can be a brain surgeon. I mean, there are, just, there are things that you just have absolutely no control over, and it doesn't matter how hard you try or how much you desire it or want to do it, there's, just, there's things we can do and there's things that we can't do. There are things in our life that are completely outside of our control. When I was growing up, my mother uh, loved fried food. She still does. Did you, did you guys ever have one of those uh, uh, fry daddies? You know, it's a little home deep fryer you put on the counter. This is, I'm not making this up. This is a true thing. We had a fry baby, we had a fry daddy, and we had a fry granddaddy. If you, <laughs> if you think I'm joking, look on the Internet. You'll find them. They're, they're on there from back in the day. We had our little sort in there, and, and every meal was, was deep fried. Well, when I got older and I started learning about uh, cholesterol and, and what all that grease could do to you, I really tried to encourage my mom for a long time to start eating better. And uh, sometimes I'd, I'd even say, I'd say, Mom, you're going you're gonna to end up having a heart attack young. You know, you got you to watch it and eat, eat better. So, so she started having a little arrhythmia problem. So she went to this uh, uh, cardiologist and, and they ran all kinds of tests. And so you know what the heart doctor told her? He said, your heart is amazing. He says, he says your artery, he says, you have the arteries of a 16-year-old. He says, your body does not store plaque. He said, you ought to thank God. And so I, I went and got my cholesterol checked. My total combined cholesterol, good and bad combined, 112. I don't know if you know what that number means, but I'll give you a clue. When you look at the chart in the doctor's office, at the very bottom lowest number on the chart is 120, and it says, excellent, I'm off the charts, good. It's not because I eat good, it's not because she eats good, it's genetics. We have no control over it whatsoever. There are many things in life like that. You just get it from your family. I'm not going to talk about all my bad genetics, but that's the one good thing I got. We don't store plaque and we don't build up cholesterol. Well, today I, I want to talk to you about something that, that you do have complete control over. And it doesn't matter how your parents raised you, what they believe, or how they feel about this. You have complete control over your relationship with God. Now, that's the message of Ezekiel in chapter 18 that we're looking at today. He talks about rebellious fathers that raise godly children and godly fathers that raise ungodly children. And he talks about how that every single one of us individually, we have the opportunity to serve God, whether the generation before us or after us does or not. And every single one of us will, will stand before God and give personal account and so the title of today's message is Personal Responsibility. It's something that's really 
not valued in our culture today. In fact, in American culture today, we've become a culture of entitlement. And if anybody has a problem or a weakness, well, it's not their fault. It's how they were raised. It's their circumstances. And so scientists get into this whole debate over nature versus nurture. That is, how much of what we do is genetics passed on and how much of what we do is how we were raised. Well, the Bible teaches us that we do have a nature that's passed to us from our parents. It's the sinful nature, and all of us have it. We all have desire to sin, and we all enjoy sin. But Christ calls us to put to death that nature and choose to follow him by walking by the Spirit. And all of us were nurtured in one way or another. And some of you here today may have had wonderful parents who loved you and who believed in the Lord, and they may have nurtured you to be in church and nurtured you to come to receive Christ. And some of you may have parents that were even atheists and didn't even believe. In fact, there, there are some that are here today. Your parents are ashamed that you're here, and they think you're ruining your life by being part of the church and following God. I've, I've heard the stories. I, I know where we are. We're all over the gamut. But what Ezekiel tells us in, in this message that he has from the Lord is that you and I have the opportunity to choose and that you and I are responsible for making our own choice. Nobody will get to heaven because they had godly parents who did what was right. And nobody will miss the opportunity to be saved because they were raised by unbelievers. Every one of us has the opportunity to make our own decision, to live our own life, and to serve the Lord. And one day, when we stand before God, we'll stand before him alone on the sole basis of our own decision. Ezekiel chapter 18 is where we're going to be. Would you stand with me out of honor and reverence for God's word as we read this together? Ezekiel chapter 18 verse 1, this is what it says. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you mean by repeating the proverb concerning the land of Israel? The fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, declares the Lord, this proverb shall no more be used by you in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. The soul whose sin shall die. If a man is righteous and does what is just and right, if he does not eat upon the mountains or lift his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel, does not defile his neighbor's wife or approach a woman in her time of menstrual impurity, does not oppress anyone but restores to the debtor his pledge, commits no robbery, gives his bread to the hungry, and covers the naked with a garment, does not lend at interest or take any profit, withholds his hand from injustice, execute true justice between man and woman, walks in my statutes, and keeps my rules by acting faithfully. 
He is righteous. He shall surely live, declares the Lord God. If he fathers a son who is violent, a shedder of blood, who does any of these things, though he himself did none of these things, who even eats upon the mountains, defiles his neighbor's wife, oppresses the poor and needy, commits robbery, does not restore the pledge, lifts up his eyes to the idols, commits abomination, lends at interest, and takes profit, shall he then live? He shall not live. He has done all of these abominations. He shall surely die. His blood shall be upon himself. Now suppose this man fathers a son who sees all the sin that his father has done. He sees and does not do likewise. He does not eat upon the mountains or lift his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel. Does not defile his neighbor's wife. Does not oppress anyone. Exacts no pledge. Commits no robbery. But gives his bread to the hungry and covers the naked with a garment. Withholds his hand from iniquity takes no interest or profit, obeys my rules, walks in my statutes. He shall not die for his father's iniquity. He shall surely live. As for his father, because he practiced extortion, robbed his brother, and did what is not good among his people, behold, he shall die for his iniquity. Yet you say, why should not the son suffer for the iniquity of the father? When the son has done what is just and right, has been careful to observe all my statutes, he shall surely live. The, son who, the soul who sins shall die. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer for the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. But if a wicked person turns away from all his sins that he has committed, and keeps all my statutes, and does what is just and right, he shall surely live, he shall not die. None of the transgressions that he has committed shall be remembered against him. For the righteousness that he has done, he shall live. Have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God, and not rather that he should turn from his way and live? But when a righteous person turns away from his righteousness and does injustice and does the same abominations that the wicked person does, shall he live? None of the righteous deeds that he has done shall be remembered for the treachery of which he is guilty and the sin he has committed. For them he shall die. Yet you say the way of the Lord is not just. Hear now, O house of Israel, is my way not just? Is it not your ways that are not just? When a righteous person turns away from his righteousness, and does injustice, he shall die for it. For the injustice that he has done, he shall die. Again, when a wicked person turns away from the wickedness he has committed and does what is just and right, he shall save his life because he considered and turned away from all the transgressions that he had committed. He shall surely live. He shall not die. Yet the house of Israel says, the way of the Lord is not just. O house of Israel, are my ways not just? Is it not your ways that are not just? Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel. Everyone according to his ways, declares the Lord God. Repent and turn from all your transgressions, lest iniquity be your ruin. Cast away from you all the transgressions that you've committed and make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. 
Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord God. So turn and live. Let's pray together. Father, I pray today for every person raised in a godly home. And I ask them, I ask you to help them not to be dependent upon the faithfulness of their parents. But Lord, that they might follow you on their own. And Father, I pray that every person here today that was raised by an unbeliever, I pray that they'd have the courage to break the cycle in their family and to follow you. May we turn to you and experience the grace and the mercy that's been made possible by your son. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. What Ezekiel points out to us, and he walks through these scenarios from one generation to the next, is that every person has the opportunity to serve the Lord, whether their parents do or not, whether their children do or not. Every one of us has the opportunity to choose to follow the Lord and to choose to be faithful. Verses 1 through 3 that we just read, I want you to notice something. The Lord talks about a proverb here. And apparently this is something that was, that was just being said among the nation and, and uh, it had been picked up by some of the prophets. And so the Lord confronts them about it and here's what he says in verses 1 through 3. He says, the word of the Lord came to me. What do you mean by repeating this proverb concerning the land of Israel? The fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. And so, so this proverb talking about sour grapes is talking about that the father sins and then therefore the children suffer because of it. Well, there's no question that if your parents sin, we often become casualties of their sin. We suffer because of their sin, but not from God. Every single one of us has the opportunity to make the choice of whether we want to follow God or not. And God does not hold us in any way accountable for the sins of our parents or previous generations. Every single one of us, regardless of how bad your home life was, regardless of how much you were abused, you can turn to the Lord and follow him and be saved. Every one of us has this opportunity. And as the Lord confronts the prophet Ezekiel about this proverb that's being passed around, and he says in verse 3, As I live, declares the Lord God, this proverb shall no more be used by you in Israel. It's important that we realize that just because everyone believes something does not mean that it's true. In the nation of Israel on this day, this proverb was being passed around. People picked it up. People were preaching it. People believed it. And the Lord confronted him and he says, you're never going to use this proverb again. It's absolutely not true. Do you know that culture is always changing? If you go back through history, and there's a lot of things that stay the same, but there's a lot of things that are constantly changing. And you think about America today, where we are in our belief system, compared to just a few generations ago, what people believed. And, and true story, no exaggeration whatsoever, true story. There are things today that two generations ago in America, if you committed this thing, you would be locked up. 
and prosecuted. Today, because our culture has shifted and we believe completely different things as a whole in America, you can now be arrested for speaking against that thing that once would have got you arrested for committing because our culture has changed. And culture and society is always changing. And so that, that's why the culture will constantly come into conflict with God's Word because God's Word never changes. And so as what we believe is right and wrong as Americans constantly shifts and changes, then it, then it, then it comes into conflict with God's Word. And so it was in ancient Israel, they had this proverb that everybody believed and that everybody was passing around, everybody had accepted it, and God was pointing out that it was not true and not how he operates. You see, there are people that are walking around and they're saying, well, this is my life because uh, this is what our fathers did and I'm the son of this sinner and, and so now this is the life that I have to live. The fathers have eaten sour grapes and now the children's teeth are set on edge. And the Lord basically said, he said, I want to ever hear that parable again because it's not true. Every person has the opportunity to follow the Lord. Well, not only does every person have the opportunity, but every person has the responsibility. When we begin to think about what God is calling us to do, God is calling us all as individuals to make our own choice to follow him. Every single person must decide whether they want Jesus to be their personal Savior or not. He, he is not the family Savior unless every person in the family accepts him as Savior. And it's so important for us to understand, as many of us have such a legacy in our families, that we can't depend upon that. And if that legacy is bad, we can't use it as our excuse. Every single one of us is personally responsible and accountable before God. In verses 10 through 13, the Bible is pretty clear that if we, if we experience eternal death, it will be our own doing. It will not be our father or our mother or our extended family. If they influence us, it will be because we allow them to influence us. So notice what he says in verse 10. He says, if he fathers a son who is violent, and then he goes on to list all these, these sins, a person that is living his lifestyle of rebelling against God. Notice the last part of verse 13, what he says. His blood shall be upon himself. Well, this, this phrase is used all throughout the Bible to talk about who is responsible. Who's responsible? If you have blood on your hands, it means that you are guilty. And the Bible says here that if this son raises up and he lives his own life of rebellion against God and commits all these things, he says he'll surely die. But then he says, his blood shall be upon himself. Here's what that means. It means that he has nobody else to blame. And I, I talk to people all the time that they want to blame their parents. They want to blame their spouse. They want to blame their home life growing up. 
They want to they blame their work environment. They want to blame all these different things for why they're making the choices that they are making. And I, I have all the sympathy in the world for people that live and that grew up in difficult circumstances. I was blessed with a godly home, but I lived in the middle of a lot of people that were not. And I've seen firsthand, and I understand what it means to be mentally, physically abused. I know how many people have grown up, and they have my full sympathy and compassion. But living an ungodly lifestyle as an expression of being a victim simply perpetuates the damage in your life. And when you stand before God, you're not going to be able to say, Lord, I never stepped foot in church because my father went to church and my father was a bad man. God is going to hold every single one of us accountable. And so the Bible says here about this person, his blood shall be upon himself. Verses 14 through 20 that we looked at just a moment ago. You see, when we do stand before God, every single person will stand alone. Notice what it says in the second part of verse 17. It says, he shall surely live. This is talking about the person who does what is right. And then it says, as for his father, and it begins to talk about that his father has lived in a different way and will suffer because of it. And then skip down to verse 20. In verse 20, the second part, notice what it says. It says, the righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. You see, it says that every person will, will give an account for how they have lived, not for how everyone else has lived. And so Jesus, in John chapter 5, as he was telling us about the judgment that is to come, listen to what he said. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words. And do you notice how he began that? Whoever. That's open for anybody. Whoever hears and responds. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. It's what we were singing about earlier in several of these songs. That one day the Lord's going to return. When the Lord returns, those that are dead in Christ will rise first and the rest of us that are still alive will be caught up to meet them in the air. There's coming a time when everything that we know on this earth is coming to an end. And, and what happens to us in that moment is dependent upon how we individually responded to Christ. And so he says, whoever hears and believes. He says, for as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection 
of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. When we, when we understand that there is coming a day of judgment, th then it should motivate us to want to be ready. And do you notice all the language that Jesus has used talks about the individual. He says, whoever. And then he says, those who have done good to the resurrection of life. Those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. It's, it's individual. All of us stand before him individually. And we may have had godly parents that made it easier for us to make the right choices. And we may have had wicked, abusive parents that made it difficult. But no person can make it impossible for you. Every person can be saved. Because when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he died for you individually. So that when you stand before the judgment someday, you'll not be judged on the basis of what you've done. But you'll be judged on the basis of what he has done. When the Bible talks about here, those who have done good, those who have done evil. The, the Bible says that none are good except for God. And all of us have done evil. And yet, if we accept Christ, then our life changes. And we begin to live a new lifestyle. And that's what this last section of verses talks about, is that it is never too late in this life to repent and be saved. It talks about the evil person that turns. And God makes it clear that he has no delight in seeing anyone suffer. You see, God doesn't want you to suffer in the life to come. God doesn't want you to suffer in the life now. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. More abundantly. Many newer translations say to the fullest. You see, we live in a culture and a society that's broken and distorted and sick and messed up. And you, you get involved in that. You can have fun for a while and really enjoy your lifestyle. But it will catch up to you. And everything that looks too good to be true is. And in the end, it will bite you. And you find yourself broken and lonely and who knows what but God wants a better life for all of us he wants us to have a full life and it's never too late as long as you're still here to turn your life around and to begin in a new direction and so verse 31 the last part this is what he says God is making an appeal to them. And he says, why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord God. So turn and live. Well, I hope and pray today that no matter how you were raised, where you were raised, what your parents do, or what they believe, I hope that you will choose to follow the Lord, and to live. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you love us so much. And
Your mercy is beyond our comprehension. And Father, I pray that you help us to believe in you and to claim the mercy and grace that you offer us. I pray for every person that's hurting today and they carry unforgiveness because of the way that they were treated and the way that they were raised. Father, I pray that in spite of their parents seeing that they would follow you and live. And Father, I pray for the person that was raised in this church. Maybe their, their parents are just icons of faithfulness. Help them not to rebel. Help them not to depend upon their parents' faithfulness. But Father, I pray that they would choose on their own to follow you and to serve you and to continue that godly legacy. For it's in Christ that we pray. Amen. Well, every person has to make a decision. If you've never made that decision, today's the day.